0: Hi there, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Do you have a homestead, farm, or just dream of a rural life? This is a show to help you, and your kids, grow your own food and grow as a person. I'm your host, Cody Hanner. I'm a homesteader, homeschool mama six, and small town enthusiast. I was raised by an old school rancher, and blessed by the grace of God to have been exposed to so much of what rural life has to offer. Join me every week to talk about homesteading, homeschooling, and growth with a homestead education. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Today, we have special guest Erin Majeski from Barefeet Farm School in Bellingham, Washington. Welcome, Erin. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Do you want to tell everyone a little bit more about yourself?
1: Yeah, I'd love to. Um, Yeah, I'm Erin Majeski. I'm here at my school in Bellingham, Washington. It is sunny. The dandelions are blooming in the field right now. Really beautiful. Um, Yeah, I started... Oh gosh, I wish. I actually just planted my garden yesterday and I bought starts for the first time because I'm always, uh, I always have really high hopes for myself and I'm going to start my seeds and put my seeds in the ground. And um, I have a baby, I have a six month old baby. And this year I bought starts and it's awesome. And I I don't know if I'll ever buy seeds again. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I have a six month old baby. His name is Luke. Mm. I live with him and my husband on a lake outside of Bellingham and we run our outdoor preschool. We also have toddler playgroups and summer camp.
0: Oh, fun. So how big is your preschool?
1: We have 12 kids um, with us every day and then various extra people around. Uh, the, the property is 15 acres. There's It's like half woods and half field. And then our classroom is, is in the field. It's like a fenced area that has a little bit of indoor space and is mostly outdoors in our field.
0: How fun. So what does a typical day look like at an outdoor preschool?
1: We mostly play. We mostly, in quotes, just play. It's not uh-huh. just playing. They, they're they learning the whole time. But so we we get there, we sing a song together and talk about what we're excited to do that day, kind of check in. And then we all sign in. Um, our kids are ages three to five. And that's a really wide developmental range and also a really varied developmental range. Some kids writing their names when they're three and some kids are writing their names when they're eight and that's all normal and we're supporting them wherever they're at. I have a three and a
0: five year old right now so.
1: Yeah you get it. Um, We all sign in whether that's scribbling or stamping or saying hello or writing Um, and then we play all morning in our outdoor classroom. Um, We have a shelter inside the shelter there's like trains and art supplies (laughs) and and loose parts and puzzles Um, and then there's blocks and a mud hole kind of a mud kitchen type space uh, an old boat that was turned into a playhouse that has costumes and uh pieces of fabric and kind of dramatic play inspired things inside and then a lot of field space some balls and hippity hops for for gross motor play and um, a willow corner, a little corner of our classroom has willow trees around it and is really serene. A lot of book reading happens there. So we play all morning in our classroom, and then we have lunch together. Then we usually go exploring in the woods or in a field that has like a drainage creek running through it, and then we sing a goodbye song, talk about what we did that day, and then we go home.
0: That sounds fun. I want to come to your preschool. I want to play. You're
1: welcome. Anytime.
0: (laughs) It sounds like such a good time. So what benefits have you found to the kids just learning outside all the time or close to outside?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I used to teach preschool inside. And it's important to be clear that there are a lot of people doing a lot of great things inside with preschoolers. And Mm -hmm. I'm not one of them. It didn't really work for me. So I started my outdoor school um, because the outside is so much bigger and quieter and allows kids to be kids. Uh, When I was inside, I spent a lot of my time um, telling the kids not to run and telling the kids to be quiet. And we just weren't doing any learning because I was telling them to not be kids all the time. And now that we're outside, we're running all the time. You can throw things almost whenever you want. And we're learning so much more than we ever did inside. Um, being outside also encourages more free play experiences. Mm-hmm. I think like as, as adults around kids, when we're inside, we have a tendency to tell them what to do and to maybe think that we know what they're supposed to be learning and outside kind of uh, shuffles that up so we can allow the process to happen more naturally.
0: You know, I know, like behaviorally, with so I have six kids and five of them nice. are boys. So yeah. boys need to be outside all the time. Like they should probably just live there, but mm-hmm. maybe that's because <laughs> I'm in a house with as many boys as I am. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but my five year old, he's such, he's a very mellow child, and he can learn inside. He can learn outside, and I definitely see in his outside space you know he got a bug kit for easter and we're working in the garden and he's out there collecting bugs and then when he comes inside he wants to learn about his bugs where my 3 year old is feral to like <laughs> we can't keep him contained we can never find him he uh, you know baby gates yeah right like it's not even yeah. that he climbs over them i mean 14 months old he climbed one went to the cabinet got a screwdriver and took it apart
1: nice
0: (laughs) (laughs) this kid is something else but to see him outside versus inside he's like a caged animal where outside he is at peace
1: yeah yeah totally kids who have big expressions and need a lot of movement um just feel themselves outside and then they're not trying to be something else and then things don't come out wonky sideways because they're trying to be something they're not Mhm. We were um, We were joking about my son. He's 6 months old right now, but we were at toddler playgroup this morning and there was a kid who is almost exactly a year older than him and so we were thinking about what's it going to be like when Luke, my baby is a year and a half old and I think maybe we might have similar children. We were saying he's going to be starting fires, climbing <laughs> fences, making catapults, like he oh, just yeah. fell off the bed for the first time this weekend, which was really sad and Of course, it's going to happen, and you don't want it to happen, (sighs) but um, he would just crawl right off again. He's ready.
0: You know, um, my three-year-old Branch, he fell off the ottoman directly on his head three times today because he set himself up to get up and do it again.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, maybe he's looking for that vestibular input, like that big bonking. It might be Mm. calming to him or helping him learn. Yeah, he was trying to, like,
0: go from the ottoman to an upside down laundry basket. And like, he was trying to like scale the laundry basket, like Spider-Man style, but upside down. And yeah, it wasn't really working for him, but it yeah. <laughs> kept really entertained for a long time. So nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he's, he doesn't talk yet and he's very mm-hmm. observant, but he was, he's been watching my husband work on like the lawnmower and the weed eater and stuff. Cause it's, you know, springtime we're pulling everything out and getting it ready to go. And we went to the barber shop the other day and after he got his haircut, his brother was getting his haircut and I couldn't find branch big surprise. (laughs) So I went looking for him and he was in the back room taking apart the lady's snowblower. Oh no. (laughs) I'm like, I'm sorry. Like I was able to, it was little stuff. So I was able to just put it back on. Like he had the gas cap and the oil cap and something else off. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, isn't that awesome though, that he's learning those skills he's learning how things work and Mm -hmm. um we have a tendency to to label kids I think a lot in our society like ask them what they're going to be when they're older rather than ask them what they are right now and right now Mm -hmm. he's an engineer and also maybe when he's older he'll be building stuff and taking them apart but it's it's cool that he has the space to explore that right now
0: yeah you know and it is it's amazing to see what he's able to do but yeah he's He's definitely, he's lit, he's lit fires. He's escaped in the middle of the night, went down to the pond to try to go fishing. I don't know. Did he catch anything? (laughs) No, we caught him before he got there, but he had his stuff with him. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) (laughs) My great Pyrenees is looking back at the, on the trail, like deal with your kid.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) But so you also do some consulting. What do you, um, what are you working on with that?
1: Mm -hmm. I consult with people um, about getting kids outside, whether that's the kids in their classroom, like their teachers, or that's kids in their family, just talking about why we, we should be outside with our kids and how to make that happen. And as um, comfortable, like nothing is safe really, but in as, as safe of a way as we can. Um, and then also I'm talking with people right now, specifically about starting their own schools.
0: Okay. So do you have like a system? I mean, I know that the concept of being outside and just being free is free of those systems, but do you have something that you kind of put into place or suggest to families?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we take inspiration from a lot of different models and curriculums. We don't follow a specific model, but we are inspired by forest schooling and Montessori and Charlotte Mason and Waldorf. Um, And yeah being outside gives you the the freedom to choose what you want your school to be like or what you want your interactions with your kids to be like uh forest schooling is really option it's a it's a really great option for modeling because it is based outside and it's made for being outside
0: um would you like um, to explain forest schooling a little bit
1: yeah yeah it originated in scandinavia like norway finland sweden and it's a a curriculum and a way of being outside that is child-led. So um, kids are following their interests and learning what they need to be learning in that moment. And then adults are supporting that journey and giving them the resources to do whatever they need to be doing in that time. Um, For schooling incorporates a lot of risky play. So climbing trees, um, using tools like whittling, making fires, depending on what age the kids are. Um, and yeah, it all centers around, uh, following the kids' interests and encouraging them to be capable so that they can take risks and learn.
0: I like it. So, I've talked about Charlotte Mason on the podcast before, but would you like to maybe talk a little bit about like what Charlotte Mason is and what Montessori is?
1: Yeah. Oh gosh, this is a lot of pressure. I know. Um. Sorry.
0: Don't (laughs) don't take it that way. It's just, it's such a great um, opportunity to educate on different styles.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, Well, Montessori is a, a system that just like forest schooling, it starts when kids are born, basically, especially Montessori, um, and then goes throughout their schooling experience. And so different, different skills for different levels. Um, Montessori is kind of based around the idea that kids, again, we're, we're following the kids' interests, but um, Montessori okay. is um, focused on being in community, focused on supporting the kids emotionally they they think about um capabilities and helping kids so so if a kid thinks that they can do something you should not do it for them but as adults in the space we are available to support because we're all connected it's kind of what Montessori is based around in my experience um So Montessori schools are often very beautifully organized and they have a lot of wood toys. um, And one
0: of my kids' favorite toys is a Montessori toy. They've had it for two years and they play with it more than anything else. And I'm constantly having to fix it.
1: Totally. (laughs) Yeah, we have a a pickler triangle in our classroom. That's um, it's just like a a ladder folded in half, basically. That's That's ours is like an
0: arch that they can either Mm -hmm. climb over it or they can like rock in it
1: yeah, yeah. And so it's that's made to to target kids wherever they're at. So, like my baby, for example, interacts with it. He'll like hold it, and he's starting to pull himself up. and the preschoolers will climb over it or crawl under it. Um, yeah, they interact with it in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, then you also ask about Charlotte Mason. She's really inspirational for me for language learning right now. Charlotte Mason lived. I believe in the mid-1800s, correct me if Sounds I'm wrong. Right. And yeah, she was like a, a or, school think, teacher. Yeah,
0: late 1800s, I think. But yeah, it's not.
1: Le- yeah, not now, long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, she was kind of a school teacher extraordinaire. And she uh, wrote a lot of books about teaching kids. And she um, she loved teaching kids languages, even when she didn't know them. So she would she would, um, tell stories. There's like these sequences that you go through to learn the languages. And rather than learning, like, this is a verb and these are all the verbs you like, learn how to say, um, a sequence of things. Like I go to the door, I approach the door, I open the doorknob, I open the door and it keeps going. Um, and, and you can learn it in all these different languages and it's a story and you act it out. It's, it's really effective.
0: I could see that being really effective. i have It's never been one I've followed much for no other reason, except for it's mainly literature based. And I'm super like, I guess, right brained on that one where I'm very mm-hmm. uh, math, science, straight to the point. And so I was like, yeah, I mean, we barely even read literature in the house. <laughs> um, but I find that my style of teaching actually falls a lot into her, the thoughts of being outside and Learning with the kids and stuff. So,
1: yeah, yeah, it feels like Charlotte Mason knew what made sense and what was instinctual. And then she had a really, she had like a knack for writing it down.
0: That's, I mean, I think that's key. Like, I don't think we write enough anymore.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It's all snapping pictures on our phones and nobody's journaling. I mean, not that nobody's journaling, but I think we definitely, I say we as in, those of us who see that children learn differently, who are embracing kind of some of our roots on the farms and that type of stuff. We're also embracing some of these other traditions and skills that have been let by the wayside over the last 50 to hundred years.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Writing is slower the same way that, that working in the garden is slower than working on your computer. And Mm -hmm. I think it, it, it feels different. It's good for us.
0: Yeah. And I mean, even myself, I'm not a journaler. It's just not my thing. But when I, whenever I've done any type of, you know, self-help type of thing, or I'm, you know, working with a coach or something and they always tell me to journal, I say, well, journaling is not comfortable for me, but I love working in my planner. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, this is my notepad that I'm working with right now, which nobody can really see that, but you. This is all like pages and pages and pages of notes and business cards and everything. And it makes me feel so good to have everything I'm doing right here tangibly Mm -hmm. that, you know, I travel a lot. I live in the middle of nowhere and I never have cell phone service. And then I have, you know, like my business manager being like, well, we need to get all of your tasks in Asana, which is a program we can use. And I'm like, that's great. Once you get them all in there, I will write them in my planner.
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> and she's like, that. Wa- that's a waste of your time. I'm like, no, it's not because it's very calming for me. Similar to how oh, you would probably suggest to me to take time to journal. I'm not going to journal, but I will take the time to work in my planner and that I do it all in different colors. And it just, it's a very connecting thing for me to feel the pen on the paper.
1: Yeah. And it gets it into your body too. Mm. That's part of playing outside round circle is uh, getting things into your body before you can get them into your brain. And the way that you're writing and organizing and, and feeling it, uh, mm-hmm. it's really helping you learn.
0: It is. Yeah. That, that uh, it's like a muscle memory type thing. We're totally. just typing it into my computer a lot. I can sit there and type and my hands are moving faster than probably my brain. And afterwards I read it and I'm like, wow, I'm really smart. And I have like no clue what I I mean, I don't remember actually writing it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So um, I I think there's really something to that.
1: You are really smart. <laughs> I didn't mean that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um <clears throat> but something to the uh taking the time to write it that it like imprints in your brain in a different way. Totally. Well, and then we, you know, we see a lot of boys with, you know, the kinetic learning where they have to be outside and, um, be physical to learn.
1: Yeah. It's, it's important for, for all people, boys, especially people who, uh, need a lot of like vestibular input. Like I was saying earlier, proprioceptive input, um, vestibular input is, is the feeling of like harsh movements. So like jumping, bouncing, tumbling, running, um, and then proprioceptive input has to do with knowing where your body is in space. So like your balance, so like spinning and walking on even surfaces, swinging, things like that. Um, and yeah, so many people need to have that input in their bodies before they can learn anything in their brain, or they need to have that input in their bodies while they're learning something in their brain so that it sticks.
0: That's interesting. I mean, you know, I did a lot of like in college trying to, re- you know, ways to memorize stuff, like, you know, getting ready for like an anatomy test or something where that is just strictly memorization. And we tried all the different things, like, you know, chewing gum or, um, you know, we'd be in the library and we'd all stand around a table and like we'd say a part and then like take a step or something, you know, mm-hmm. to kind of just try to remember it. So we'd, um, like our instructor was laughing at us one time because we got really silly with it. I don't even remember what we were talking about. Like something about how the cells like do something within the intestine. So we were doing this like thing where we're like, as we talked about it, we did our hand motions and like we're sitting in the test, like doing the hand motions, like trying to remember. And our instructor was laughing at us so hard, but we all like rocked the test that time.
1: Yeah, totally. So why are we asking our kids to sit in desks? And, um, you know, be inside when we know it's not working if that's what you're doing as a college student to learn Mm -hmm. this thing for yourself
0: well I mean actually the book I'm writing right now on raising self-sufficient kids is actually where I've taken so much of what was done to us when we were kids and that we're trying to correct now Mm -hmm. and just kind of taking that step out of having something done to us and just teaching in that zone of what we actually want to see happening or what should have been happening for us like in the first place so things like rather than correcting educational things for the kids it's we're just doing it right now you know Mm -hmm. which mine's more on working with kids and kids being more self-sufficient and stuff rather than their educational piece but it's so intertwined
1: yeah absolutely well and you can't really learn anything unless you want to and you won't want to learn if you're being forced to um and you won't want to learn if it's not fun so if if we can start like do that prevention piece like you're talking about and the prevention is making it fun making it possible making it interesting um, then they'll be actually learning and then they won't have to go back and fix it later
0: hopefully i mean of course there's just the mess of what our school systems are Yeah. In the first place right now. (laughs) But, um, you know, if even, you know, now we're in a society where because of where, you know, people have to work and they need childcare and those types of things that school systems are just something that we almost have to have at this point, it would be really wonderful to see them embracing some of these other concepts as far as, you know, more outdoors or, you know, learning where kids can learn more to their own needs rather than a set situation. I mean, are you seeing any more um, schools starting to embrace some of these
1: concepts? Yeah, I see a huge movement towards smaller schools. Uh, I have a kind of a personal conflict, I guess in a lot of ways I think that public school is really important going to school with your neighbors that you might not know otherwise is really mm-hmm. is a is a huge deal um, as our society gets more as we like get into bubbles and more um, separated that going to school with your neighbors is huge Um mm-hmm. and,
0: I, I, mean, I grew up in public schools and I loved yeah. being with my friends it's more what they're teaching us at this point that's like right yeah
1: yeah totally well yeah I loved going to public school too and I loved it because I knew people who were different than my family and I I wouldn't have grown up in the same way otherwise and public school right now Uh, relies a lot on control. It relies a lot on testing and um, it's not, it's not serving our kids, especially I read somewhere that, that like 30%, maybe even more than that. So many of of the jobs that these five-year-olds will have in 15 years don't even exist yet. So we don't know what we're preparing them for. Um, So how could we be testing them on skills that we don't even know that they need?
0: Right. Like I had no clue I was going to be a podcaster. Right. <laughs> you know? I mean, that was not a thing. I mean, maybe radio or um, news channels and those types of things. And then I mean, podcasting isn't even my main skill, but it's just that ability to talk and then know how to work the computer system to do my own editing and those types of things. Yeah. Those did not exist when I was five years old.
1: Right. Yeah. And yeah, learning those. Computer skills and math, like the hard skills that you need to do your job, is important. But if you are confident and resourceful, you can do whatever job comes up for you.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm actually seeing a lot of people talking about pulling away from college and start looking at putting together portfolios Mm -hmm. of their skills versus the degree.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense. How many people do you know that actually work in the field that their degree is in? Not very many.
0: Yeah. I mean, even mine, I, I I was an ag major and I do teach agriculture now, but it's such a different, what I'm teaching now I could have done with the life skills that I created by growing up on a ranch and stuff like that. The mm-hmm. science behind it, I already had that drive. I would have tried to learn that anyways, you know? So it's kind of that... I don't regret my degree, but I also know that what I'm doing in life at this point, I could have done without my degree.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how it'll be for these kids.
0: That is really interesting. I have to, because I look at, like, my five-year-old right now and the things he talks about doing, and I wonder what that will look like for him. Probably just following his brother around to make sure he doesn't off himself.
1: (laughs) yeah maybe he's the the security manager
0: right he's so worried about him all the time I mean I think he's gonna the three-year-old's gonna give the five-year-old a heart attack I have this reel where the five-year-old comes in and he's just so upset we were playing with dirt and water and ranch ate it <laughs> <laughs> like in my reel I turned to branch and he's got like dirt all the way around his mouth I'm like yeah that happens
1: yeah, his immune system's going to be so strong. Right, especially cuz our mm-hmm. dirt is
0: pretty much um the compost pile from the neighbor's cows, so nice. I mean, it's very very aged, so it's probably nice and sterile at this point. Fingers crossed.
1: Right. No, it's it's good for him to do a little deworming. He's fine. Right,
0: yeah. We're good. <laughs> and I do love that about um my kids growing up on the farm is nothing is sterile here.
1: Yeah, I was um, reading about allergies recently. There's so many more kids have allergies and food sensitivities than they used to. And so many more things are sterile. I don't have really any science to back me up here, which in general is okay with me. Um, That thing, we we can know things without having data and data is also important. But allergies, um, yeah, being sterile uh, creates an environment that is not supportive of our kids both in terms of germs and also in terms of ideas um Mm -hmm. yeah being being exposed to a variety of uh ideas and um parts of nature is is really important for their development
0: well i mean it's it's building immunities and like you said you know just thought process too like Mm
1: -hmm. you know
0: facing adversities and stuff like that they say like small amounts of stress helps you build tolerance to stress. Not that mm-hmm. we should be like stressing our kids out, but it's okay for them to be uncomfortable. It's okay for them to fail. It's okay for them to figure things out on their own and be frustrated.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's great for us to be able to, to give them the tools rather than band-aiding their stress. Hmm.
0: So I, I ask people all the time, like, are you filling your kid's toolbox or are you building it for them? Yeah. And that's And, you know, I, I used that with my 14 year old the other day, he was doing something dumb. And I said, I feel like I gave you a hammer to hammer in a nail and you used your forehead (laughs) started laughing. I was like, well, that's how ridiculous it feels to me, the way you're behaving right now. And so er, now it's kind of become our family joke. Whenever he starts doing something dumb, I'm like, go get your hammer.
1: (laughs) That's an awesome, like, take a breath. You can do this.
0: Yeah. Like, I don't have to be like, you're being dumb, you know, like, because we have our moments like you're, you're not there with your 14 year old or with your six month old yet. One day he's going to be 14 and you're going to have a different relationship with him. And Mm -hmm. that's, um, you know, my 14 year olds, they're twins. And so I can be, you know, friends with them and joke with them and stuff, but I also have to still be their mom. And so there's days where I'm like, you're being dumb. And then I'm like, (sighs) I don't like calling them dumb you know and so being able to say things like go get your hammer it reminds them like hey you're being ridiculous right now why don't you think about what you're doing and use the proper tools
1: yeah for sure I thought we trained you for this I thought we prepared you for this Mm -hmm.
0: but then also 14 they go through the when all the hormones hit their brain and their brain stops working and you're like I know that you know how to do this (laughs)
1: I bet that's how they're feeling too. Like, that's probably pretty stressful.
0: Yeah, I am. I don't know. (laughs) Sometimes (laughs) I feel like my, especially my 14 year old son, he's just in like his own world. He's like, life is good for me. Like, I just kind of do what I'm told and (laughs) I don't have to put any effort into life. Like I just, and I'm I'm struggling with that one because I'm very driven and his twin sister is very driven and he's just like, (laughs) tra-la-la.
1: Wouldn't that be nice?
0: <laughs> but you know, I I have my frustrations with him. But he's also the kid that like handles our whole farm and has his own dairy heifers. And you know, he plays on his baseball team. He's the treasurer of our 4-H group. So you know, he's definitely a go-get'em kid. But in his kind of everyday life, I'm like, you're gonna drive me crazy. Like I am so ready <laughs> for your hormones to mellow out. <laughs> I'm like, at least like focus your hormones towards a girl or something where you're at least driven for something like right now, it's like, he's just in the brain fog part of it. So
1: yeah, that feels like my favorite pregnancy fact is that when you, when you're pregnant, your, your brain literally melts to give your brain to the baby. Like you have more gray matter in your brain than ever before. Um, And I wonder if that's similar when you're going through puberty, if your brain is is just like changing so fast that it isn't a brain. That's
0: definitely something to consider because I know that pregnancy brain for me is it's almost it's bordering on debilitating compared to where my brain normally functions.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's so comforting or just like reassuring to know that fact that your brain literally is dissolving and it's it's okay and it'll come back.
0: That makes me feel a little better because yeah, I right? was pretty sure those were like the dumbest times of my life. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, you're just working hard. All right.
0: That That's good to know.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, um, yeah, I'll have to look. We should look that up and see, like, if uh, puberty is a similar situation with the hormones. Your hormones literally melt your brain.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised.
0: Or maybe I'll have to make a note to find someone for the podcast on that.
1: Yeah, I'll listen to it. I'll watch it. Okay, out. for sure.
0: <laughs> so... Um, if you had a family come to you, what would be kind of the first steps you would suggest to them to either get their kids outside or if they were wanting to start a school, what would you suggest?
1: Well, if you're looking to get outside more, the first thing to do is to go outside. It sounds simple, but right. um, it's, it's hard for a lot of people, especially people who live in cities. Mm-hmm. Um, there is still outside in cities even if it has concrete even if it doesn't have any trees it is still outside um there's a a phrase called the doorstep mile um that the hardest part of walking a mile is getting out the door and that's Mm the same thing for being outside first thing to do is go outside um and then yeah the next thing is i know one thing i did
0: I put the ex- like, I got one of those internet extenders. I think it was like a hundred dollars. Yeah. So that I can have wifi on my porch so that I can work outside. And so I can have my younger kids outside and they're being supervised while I work.
1: Awesome. That's a great hack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is a lot of people I think are scared of being outside, um, whether it's scared of ticks and spiders and bugs or they're scared of natural disasters or being too cold or too hot, or they're scared of other people. Um, yeah, the next thing to do is to identify that fear for yourself and live into it because we are part of nature and we haven't lived this inside for very long in our history. And mm-hmm. if we've made it this far, you can make it this far too.
0: Right? Like it's kind of it's okay to be uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then finding and okay. finding hacks or ways around it, ways to live your life outside whether it's being able to work outside, um or being able to even bring your whole office like move your space open your windows bring your plants inside get a little bit of meshing between your inside Mm -hmm. and outside is really helpful um yeah it's it's simple and it's huge for a lot of people more people spend time inside than than I think about I don't know it surprises me
0: you know, and I can, <clears throat> you know, you're sitting here with me on my podcast right now where you can see my office behind me. That's mm-hmm. the corner with walls. The corners on the sides here are picture windows that overlook the valley. That's so, so nice. Yeah. I mean, it's, I have like the most amazing view out both sides. I can see Canada out one window and I can see um, just a huge uh, alfalfa field with cattle and stuff out the other window. So
1: well, not so and good for my, your eyeballs, too.
0: Mm-hmm. And my kids, like the my grassy area, like the other day, I was doing a podcast, and I thought the kids were all taking a nap, and all of a sudden, I saw a ball like go past my window, and I'm like, "Oh, the kids <laughs> are out." But my teenagers help with the littles when I'm podcasting, so it's I don't even have to worry about it. But it is nice because I can even on the days that I can't be there with the kids because I can't podcast on the porch, although it looks like you are. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, I am.
0: <laughs> I love it. Um, I can still watch my kids play and enjoy time sort of with them, you know. You know, I'll get done recording and I'll open the window so I can hear them play while I'm editing and stuff.
1: That's so sweet. And they probably don't even know. They don't.
0: I get to hear all the crazy stuff they talk about. Nice. (laughs) Which is usually really sweet, like, except for the two 14-year-olds who egg each other on at this point. But (laughs) yeah. (laughs) The littles talk about very sweet things. Oh Yeah, I can hear them out there. Shh we're picking flowers for mommy, so don't say it really loud. (laughs) I'm like, oh, Oh, I'm getting a dandelion bouquet.
1: (laughs) Yay. Yeah, we have in our our classroom, we have that boat that's turned into a playhouse and it's made Mm -hmm. out of like old lumber. And so a lot of it has holes in it. And uh, there's one little peeking spot that I love to look through and um, peek on the kids playing in the boat. And it's just so sweet what happens when they're, they're relatively safe, you know, like there's adults around there inside of the fence and, um, they're unsupervised as far as they know. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's just so fun to watch.
0: Right. Um, so, I mean, you're in the Pacific Northwest, so it's cold, it's yeah. rainy. How do you yeah. handle like winter time outdoors?
1: Yeah, we put on our coats and we do a lot of moving outside. Those are the two keys. So having lots of layers like um, a base layer that will keep you warm even if you're a little bit wet so like wool or poly base layer and then fuzzy clothes and then a waterproof outer shell because the the worst part of being outside in the winter is if you're wet Mm -hmm. Um, and then we move around a lot so I'm looking at it right now but we we walk up and down this big hill a lot on the property and we encourage them to keep moving and do big play outside. And then we also check in on them a lot because we're, we're trying to encourage autonomy and self-sufficiency. So asking them like, are your hands cold right now? Your nose looks a little bit red. Are you sure you don't want to add another coat? Do you need to go on a run? Things like that, oh, um, I love to, that. to get them to notice what they're feeling so that they can organize their own clothes eventually.
0: Yeah. I mean, that gives them autonomy and also teaches them some trust with you too, that like, oh, she's acknowledging this or, oh, she suggested it. What would happen if I put on my other coat, you know, and rather than just that, you need to go put on another coat.
1: Right. Well, yeah. Cause I don't know. And some kids are warmer than others. Um, some kids like to be cold. I'm never going to let a kid get hypothermia yeah. or actually in danger, but it's okay to be a little cold.
0: Oh yeah. I agree. I mean, I have a hard time keeping my kids inside when it snows here and stuff. And we kind of almost have to, like, there's not really another option. So, right. Um, so as we're getting closer to the end of our time, one of my favorite questions mm-hmm. for everyone is what does keep growing mean to you?
1: It means uh, stay curious and keep asking questions. That's one of my favorite parts of working with kids is that it keeps me curious and it keeps me growing because they they have so much left to explore in the world um when they're three they oftentimes haven't built a community without their parents there maybe they've never been far away they've never been on an airplane or they've um never eaten lunch at a table with somebody else and watching them learn that at our school inspires me to keep keep that spirit alive in myself.
0: I love that. So do you want to tell everyone where they can find
1: you? Yeah, totally. We are on Instagram at Farm school and our website is barefeetfarmschool.com and I always love to invite people to the farm too. If you're ever close by, you're welcome to come visit at any time. Oh, how
0: fun. I might have to put that on my list because my kids have yeah. not in Seattle yet except for the airport. So
1: totally. Yeah, we're like an hour and a half north of Seattle.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, and for us, if we're going to Seattle, we've already driven five hours. So another hour would be nothing. Totally. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and everybody be sure and go check her out because I really love what she's doing with kids. Have a good one.
1: Thanks so much. You too.
0: Thank you for joining me today at the Homestead Education. And I hope that I have given you something to think about this week. To help others find me, please comment and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow me on Facebook at The Homestead Education and Instagram at homestead underscore education. Do you have questions that you would like answered or just want to say hi? Please email me at hello at the homesteadeducation.com. Until next time, keep growing!